Hello, you're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, markets, and investing in general, you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver the best thought leadership in the financial services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this episode, our BioBanter panel includes Michael Margolis, co-head of Healthcare Investment Banking, Jared Holtz, chief healthcare market strategist, and Jason Fenton, co-head of Healthcare Equity Capital Markets, all from Oppenheimer. This episode was recorded on March 18, 2022. Thank you for joining us and for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. This is Michael Margolis, co-head of Healthcare Investment Banking here at Oppenheimer. In today's episode of BioBanter, I'm very happy to have with me two of my colleagues, Jason Fenton and Jared Holtz. Today, we're going to discuss the key takeaways from our recent healthcare conference, where we hosted over 280 healthcare companies over three days, both public and private, as well as several keynote speakers during that time. I'm really looking forward to today's discussion. So this was a great week for the entire Oppenheimer Healthcare Platform, the 32nd annual healthcare conference for the firm. And it came at a very interesting time with the markets suppressed, especially in, in our areas, in, in pharma and biotech specifically. 280 companies came, which was a, a record, I believe. And Michael and Jason, you guys were you know, obviously very instrumental in getting a lot of these companies to the conference. So what I'm sort of curious on is, what was your impression of the sort of the biotech backdrop this week? The XBI has had a pretty nice recovery up 10%. A couple data points over the course of the week, I think, were helpful. But it would be great to get your perspective on how you think company management's team sounded that you met with this week. Perfect. Um, thank you, uh, Jared. I'll, I'll kick it off and talk more about at least the feedback from the, the company side of things and let Jason talk about the backdrop from an investor standpoint. Clearly, to your point, it's been a very difficult start to 2022. The XBI, you know, at one point was down almost 27, 28% to start the year. To your point, there's been a nice recovery over the last couple of days. It's nice to see some green on the screen. And certainly, I think that will help turn at least the sentiment in biotech a bit as we move into the rest of this year. Companies are nervous. I would tell you that it, I think most companies have felt the pain, the mid caps, the small caps, the micro caps. Clearly, the, the smaller cap, micro cap companies that are less liquid probably have felt more pain here. But certainly, companies that have put out negative news over the last couple of weeks and months have seen probably an enhanced uh, negative reaction on the downside. And that's, that's challenging. I think for companies that are trying to raise capital in these markets here, uh, they're concerned about investor sentiment and interest. It clearly has become a more of a buyer's market on the investor side. While the, the markets are not closed by any means, there has been a reduced level of uh, transaction activity since the start of the year. Five IPOs have been priced. About 20 or so follow-ons have been uh, been priced as well uh, since the start of the year. That's certainly you know, way down from what we saw last year at this time when the XBI peaked on, uh, in early February. I think from our standpoint, I think companies are hoping you know will have I would say a more accommodating FDA. Certainly, I think investors are looking for positive data out there and hope to get a positive reaction from that from that aspect. And I think, I think finally, um, there's been really over the last two months, a lack of M&A. So hopefully we'll see some strategic activity 
that will provide you know that inadvertent cash position to investors going forward. I'll pass over to Jason to provide his thoughts on the investor side of things. Great, thanks, Michael. Look, I think if you talk to investors, what you hear is you know they started the year coming in with a bit of optimism after what was a difficult part of the end of 2021, and then we had the worst month in the XBI on record. That that only got worse in February as as we saw global events unfold, the situation in Russia and Ukraine, we had continued uncertainty around interest rates and what Michael alluded to, which is the continued clinical disappointments that started in the fourth quarter of last year and hit again as recently as this week with, with Nectar and some others, right? Every time investors are turning around, they're being hit with either CRLs or RTFs or just disappointing clinical data. And we've seen that in a number of situations recently. And so there just feels like there's a lack of incentive right now to to deploy capital. Michael touched on another theme which we're hearing from investors, which is a lack of M&A. That's likely to persist for some time, right? There's a disconnect between sellers and buyers. I think you have willing buyers. Um, unfortunately, I think the sellers are still looking at prices or you know where they were as you know in terms of their 52-week high and how far they've come off of that. And so I think until things settle down for a bit longer, you're unlikely to see that M&A because I think the sellers are unwilling to to transact at these levels. Not surprisingly, the themes that investors are focused on continue to be the same, right? The geopolitical situation with Russia and Ukraine, interest rates, which we did get a bit more clarity on this week and what's going on in the sector, which I just alluded to. I think the other thing that you're, you're certainly hearing from investors is getting back to basics, right? Investing in companies that are a bit later stage, right? Companies that have programs that, that where there's data that investors can look at and probabilize the chance of success in the next trial. And clearly there's still some hangover from last year and, and fatigue, and that may be from both 20 and 21, right? Last year, single biggest year for IPOs on record, another huge year for follow-ons. There's a record number of biotech companies that are now publicly traded entities. And while you've got record capital available to invest in those companies, I think investors are struggling to keep pace, to figure out where to spend their time and don't have the bandwidth to look at all these opportunities. So it really will take a little bit of time to kind of digest what's out there and really prioritize which of the opportunities, and there will be compelling opportunities that come from this, but which one of those you identify as the as the handful that you're going to spend your time on. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, Jason. I think the selectivity uh, aspect of this market has changed. I think in the past, investors have invested pretty much in everything, especially the 101 IPOs that priced last year. Investors will probably get back to doing more fundamental research, but I look at later stage opportunities that are probably more de-risked than a preclinical story. I think like pendulum shifting you know, too far to extremes, the market will likely revert back to, I think, appreciating good data, but objectively good data. And I think that definition of good data is changing over time. I think also there's a lot of cash out there. We know that. And I think you've seen some new fund formation as well over the last couple of weeks. And I think a new fund starting out from this market certainly has an opportunity to invest in a number of compelling opportunities. Many companies trading at or below cash, at or below the crossover values. And while you know markets have been off almost 50% in a year, it really becomes a buyer's market with a discerning nose for differentiated technologies in medicines in a public equity universe. So think about that inversion in valuation, that becomes a real opportunity for many of these funds to invest in these public companies that are trading at, many of which are trading at 52 week lows or close to that. I wanted to ask you both sort of your impression, you know, so many companies presented this week and there are so much data on the horizon. Not a lot of it is happening over the near term. What do you believe these companies are going to do over the next several quarters as they continue to spend cash? We're waiting on clinical outcomes. 
what's sort of like the temperature that you would gauge on the part of management teams? How are they going to kind of manage through the next six to 12 months? I mean, I'll, I'll start off by saying, first of all, it's a great question. I would say 280 companies at our conference or so. Jason and I had a number of conversations with companies that are you know, burning a significant amount of capital on a quarterly basis. We're already hearing from companies that they're pulling back their burn in many cases, focusing on their lead or the top two programs in their pipeline. I think you are seeing some companies pull back on employees, probably employee hiring as well. I mean, I'll tell you that just the, the sheer numbers that it costs to hire R&D staff from any of these companies, especially in the Boston, San Diego, San Francisco area, is significant. That may change as well going forward, but companies are going to have to be a lot more rational about what they spend going forward, especially in the short term, as the access to capital, while it's not closed, it's more challenging. And that cost of capital is definitely higher. I think Jared Michael hit it on the head, right? I think there's, uh, and, and this is something that will resonate with the buy side. I think there's this concept of rationalizing spend, rationalizing maybe even programs or, or maybe delaying the start of some earlier stage programs. I think increasingly, given where stock prices are, the idea of strategic transactions, not necessarily an outright sale, but but business development, collaborations, partnerships, and the like. I think companies are, while, while that is still dilutive, uh, it's certainly, you know, it's asset dilutive, not necessarily financially dilutive. And I think companies are going to seek to be creative and to the extent they can, you know, push out raising money until later in the year where hopefully things get better. Now, there's no guarantee that things do get better, but I think right now companies that don't have to do something immediately are certainly thinking long and hard before leaning forward into this market. How do you feel the next couple quarters are going to go as far as strategic or structured deals that are that might take a little bit more time and patience to get done in, in your universe? We're, we're so used to overnight transactions on the follow-on side in biotech, and it's been almost impossible to count how many financings have been done over the past five years. It seems like some of these are going to get a little bit more challenging and difficult. Is that your sense? And, and how do you guys kind of manage around it? Sure. Yeah, I think 100% it is our sense. I think, look, there there will be two, I think, mainstay financings or, or different types of financings that occur over the next quarter or two, right? There will be companies that have meaningful data announcements. And in those instances, I think they will do something more regular way, whether it's a fully marketed transaction or confidentially marketed transaction. I think you'll see those uh, done kind of ordinary course, right? Like you've seen over the last several years. Although I, I will tell you, there, I think there's concern that even good news is falling on deaf ears. I think there's been one case, at least thus far this year, that I can think of where there was a really profound data reaction that was Sierra Oncology. Outside of that, I think even good news has been met pretty cautiously. The other transaction that I think you'll see in various kind of forms and flavors are, are pipe transactions, transactions where you can bring investors under CDA and maybe, you know, announcing some data or announcing a partnership or announcing something meaningful along with a financing will be a better way to proceed, particularly for some smaller cap situations going forward. As if you can make the announcement and have that value inflection at the same time that you're removing the financing overhang you really do give the stock a chance to react naturally. Uh, I know investors have approached us on those types of transactions, you know, saying if we know companies that, that have something that's going to fit that profile, they'd love to talk. And I think companies are, are seeing uh, a lack of reaction in their stock price, even on good data, uh, and recognize that there could be some value in that, depending on obviously the, the, the specific situation. 
Yeah, Jason, you, you covered that really well. I, th- I think over the last couple of days and last couple of weeks in, in our travels, we've heard the idea of doing a pipe, going under CDA, getting access to potentially some information and making an investment on that basis and certainly allowing the stocks to at least be fully funded as they um, turn over a data card. I think it's going to be, I think that will be certainly something we see a lot more going forward. I think you're also going to see a lot of companies where insiders and existing investors are going to need to step up, certainly if they believe in these stories. I also think the appetite for new names will be limited. It's going to be selective as well because there's a finite amount of capital out there to support existing positions, especially if they really believe in these stories that had a difficult time over the last few quarters. This was a really interesting year to host a conference, obviously, with the sector performing the way it has. And it, it kind of brings me back a little bit to 2016 when sentiment with respect to biopharma was this poor. Now, hopefully it's turned a little bit with the XBI moving from 80 to 90. How would you characterize or describe the the company feedback and the company commentary that you spoke to this year versus last year? Be such a stark difference in the performance of the sector. What's amazing is I think it depends if you need to raise capital over the next, let's call it six to 12 months, or you can wait till 2024. There are a good, a good number of companies that are well financed into 2024 and beyond. They have strong balance sheets, and that's great. At least it gives them an opportunity to hopefully put their head down, execute, turn over a data card, and hopefully have a reaction when the, when the, market, when the, vol- the volatility in the market calms down. And there's companies that probably should have raised money last year, and they're forced to raise money this year or even next year. And they're feeling a lot of pressure. So we're definitely, I think we're hearing the anxiety from some companies. I think for us, you know, our job is to be a trusted advisor. Both Jason and myself have been through markets like this before. And I think that kind of experience level, I think really is important. A lot of it's just experience. You know, what happened back in 2008? What happened in the early 2000s? And I think, you know, companies that are well capitalized are able to kind of get through the storm a lot better. But at the end of the day, we're going to get back to good old fundamental research on behalf of the buy side and companies are going to have to execute and uh, hopefully prioritize programs that will resonate well with investors and strategics. Yeah, Jared, what I would tell you is this was as much about trying to give our thoughts and feeling on, you know, what's going on in the market as it was anything. I think people are all recognize there are a bunch of issues that are facing or sector specific issues. And, and, you know, I think companies are looking to get advice and, and, and our thoughts and perspectives on where the market is. You know, we have seen this before, right? We have seen disruptions in the marketplace, whether it's COVID, whether you go back to the Hillary tweet, whether you talk about the financial crisis, whether you talk about kind of the period that you alluded to or or other periods like this, where there has been a temporary dislocation in the biotech market. I think really all of the, the prior ones, at least going back as far as the financial crisis, didn't, none of them even lasted one year, right? all shorter in duration than, than 52 weeks, right? COVID probably being the shortest, the financial crisis being at the other end of the spectrum and the longest one. Um, we're approaching a year here, depending on when you measure it, right? Michael alluded to the, the peak in the XBI being February of last year. You can talk about, was that the point or, or did it get a little bit later in the year when there was just started to be just more poor deal performance and other things plaguing the sector? But this is a, as long as we've had in a long time. And, and I think... People recognize this is going to be a little bit longer and more of a more of a grind back. But I think if you're long term, if you're focused on the long term, meaning beyond 22, I think the sector, the science, and the track record of generating real alpha, right? That's all there, right? And that, that gives you a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But certainly feels like it's going to be at least another quarter or two, if not a little bit longer, until we work our way through this. 
Just to end on a positive note, while it's been a challenging market for both companies and investors, there's a significant opportunity here. When you think about what this industry has accomplished over the last two years during the pandemic, with three vaccines available less than a year into the pandemic, plus a number of therapeutics, both monoclonal antibodies and orals, available. That's awesome. The innovation curve has never been better. I think as the market goes through this digestion process, hopefully the pendulum begins to shift back. There'll be plenty of opportunities for investors over the coming months and quarters to create significant value. I believe the industry needs some positive data too. We haven't had that in a while. Unfortunately, there's been a slew of negative trial results, as well as some FDA challenges. At this point, I think we're up to 13 CRLs delivered from the agency. As we get some positive news, including data, clinical data, FDA approvals, and M&A, that will drive value and interest back to our sector. This positive momentum should improve investor sentiment quickly. Perhaps, Jared, I can turn the questions back to you. And certainly, I know you spent a lot of time during the conference speaking to the attendees, both on the corporate side and the investor side. You know, what would you say are the four biggest themes coming out of the conference that you heard and saw? Well, I think first is just whether we are or are not going back into this COVID mode with some of the outbreaks in China and Europe and whether that's going to come here. You know, this has been we're going on two years now where pandemic has been just incredibly topical. And some of the news flow coming out of um, Asia and Europe that's trickled into the U.S. now with increased cases with it, with this sort of like semi new variant. To me, that was one of the things that we thought we were kind of getting past, but kind of reemerged during the week. And, you know, Moderna was at the conference and they've now filed for an additional booster for all ages. So I think even though a lot of people thought that topic was going away, it's come back. I think the second is just how many companies are now in this biotech and biopharma ecosystem. You guys both alluded to it a ton of IPOs and and secondaries over the past couple of years, many private companies, a lot of which were focused this week at our conference, but just the sorting through of assets has become so complicated. But conferences like this, and hopefully we we get into a mode where they're more in-person rather than virtual, gives investors an opportunity to kind of go through the entire sector and figure out where the winners and losers are. I think third topic, you know, Jason and Michael, you both mentioned, M&A, it has not been happening. It's sort of a corollary to the last point, meaning that there are so many different assets to choose from and farm has been relatively quiet given that there's north of $500 billion of cash to be spent. And then fourth, I would just sort of comment on the reopening trade as it impacts diagnostics, um, providers and medical devices. There was a, you know, a good amount of companies at the healthcare conference across those categories. And I thought it was interesting what HCA had to say about the reopening trade, which is that, you know, again, they're optimistic and many of the other companies across the provider space were, they're kind of talking to lower acuity coming back first. So that would in theory help physician office visits, diagnostic and minimally invasive surgery coming out of the gate first, which should help the entire healthcare complex in theory over the next couple of quarters. That's great. I really appreciate that feedback. From an investor standpoint, at least the folks that you spoke to, would you say they came out of the conference more positive or, or, or negative? I'd say more positive. I mean, some of that has to do with the fact that the markets were up this week. So it's always a little bit backward looking rather than forward looking. You know, this has been a, a good week for the broader market. IBB and, and XBI have also rallied on the back of that. So those are all good things. But we did have like a number of things that coincided with the Oppenheimer conference that I thought was at least marginally positive or beneficial. The first is we had the Ascendus data hit Monday. Subsequent to that, we had Apellus's 18-month data. 
Iowa Vance is, is sort of getting ready to continue their trial in TILs in a number of tumor types. So in biotech, it actually, other than Nectar, which Jason mentioned earlier, it was actually a pretty good week. And then you layer on some of the commentary that's broadly happening behind the scenes with respect to M&A and, and how much firepower there is there. I think investors kind of walked away from this week saying, wow, the value destruction has been so significant. There's got to be opportunities. And so like the Apelluses and, and some of the small cap biotech names that have something a little bit more tangible to give to investors, I think really piqued people's interest this week. Jared, really great, great feedback. Really appreciate that. I guess before we, we wrap up here, uh, Jason, anything else you want to add? No, I think, I think we've done a good job summarizing kind of the, the key takeaways. Look, I do think, again, long term, absolutely optimistic. I think in the short term, you know, we had a nice, nice rally this week. Well, you know, whether or not this, this week continues next week or not, you know, that's it'll be interesting. We obviously have a lot of a, a lot of uncertainty around us. But I think the long term is very uh, you know constructive as you think about what the long term outlook for the sector looks like. Great. Thank you. Jared, any parting words for the audience? Well, it's just nice to see, you know, a, a decent couple weeks, really, after the beginning of this year, which saw biotech down nearly 30 percent, you know, to have it recover 10 percent in a very short period of time, at least gives us the sense that, like, there is some sort of, you know, optimism here to be seen as we go into the balance of the year. If, if anything were to change as far as clinical outcomes and, and drug approvals, because we were basically at the, the low of that spectrum, I think we can probably move higher from here. That's great. Well, again, thank you, Jared. Thank you, Jason. Great discussion here today, and I look forward to having another episode of BioBanter. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode, and remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.